My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. We've got a very special guest who made a request to introduce himself. So George Bryant, you have the floor. I didn't make a request to introduce myself. I was I was waiting for you to step up like Eminem and Eight Mile and like drop a freestyle about our conversation before you hit record. That's a, and like and here's what's funny: like you're in Chicago, so you're not too far away from Detroit. Like you could really kind of make this thing a thing. So I'll I'll do a quick intro. Um, my name is George Bryant. Um, I don't know. I'm like a B plus husband today and a A minus father. Pretty excited to be an entrepreneur, and I spend my days helping entrepreneurs ethically build and scale their companies by loving their customers. I own nine or 10 of them. I've taken two to a billion. I have a very large podcast, and I give away 100% of everything I know for free. Other than that, it really doesn't matter. That doesn't change anything. I still wake up in the morning. I still put my pants on the same. I still cry just like everybody else. I still have hard mornings, and my wife gets mad at me, and the world breaks, and lawsuits happen. And so it's just a whole lot more pressure most of the time. So that's how I'll introduce myself today. <laughs> Thank you so much for the lovely intro. Um, we'd love to add as well that he's also the host of the Mind of George show, which I'm really oh, yeah, looking forward too. to getting into that as well. Thank you so much for coming on, George. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so, so. I've loved fun. talking to you. I've loved talking <laughs> to you already. So I'm like, all right, this is like I just met like a BFF across the country. Let's do this. <laughs> let's go. All right. So let's let's just start with this. Let's go into your journey. How did you get started doing what you are doing today? <laughs> I love this question. So um, we were joking, just to give context for the inside joke, we were joking before I recorded uh, she made a joke about the length of the show being 30 minutes. And I said, do you know who you're recording? And we laughed and I told a story. And so um, for, for, the, for, the, for the benefit of everybody, I'm going to give a very high level kind of overview. And if at parts of this, Basha, as we're going, you feel like they add context or value, I will expand upon them more if it feels like it serves. So to summarize it up in the um, the shortest elevator version, which would be a skyscraper in Dubai to get enough time in, I uh, <laughs> grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, right outside of Boston. I had a pretty tumultuous childhood, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, pretty much like homeless from like 13 on, social services. So I did what any sane kid living in trauma would do. I forged my parents' signature and I joined the Marine Corps. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go be a killing machine dope. And really what it was, I want to run away and I didn't know what to do. So I did that. Mm -hmm. Ended up, you know, I was fat. I was overweight because I was bulimic from the sexual abuse. And so ended up having a recruit to help me lose 60 pounds, shipped to boot camp, became an active duty Marine, spent 13 years of my life on active duty, um, three combat deployments, almost lost both my legs in Somalia in 2004, and then had seven concussions. Uh, bleeding on my brain, fluid on my brain, 2009, 2010 in Afghanistan. And so the military said, hey, it's been fun. Uh, you are no longer of service to us. We are letting you go. Um, but that is not retirement. That is, you're done. 13 years, your contract is up. Nothing out the door. Have a good life. 
Um, and so like being a pawn on a chessboard. And so luckily when I was in Afghanistan, and there's a reason I'm telling this story in 2010, I just lost my dad to cancer. I'd made a full recovery, learned how to walk again. I was really, really struggling with depression, um, opiate addiction. I'd attempted to take my life and I had lost like three more Marines that week. And I was still grieving the death of my father. And uh, it just hit me so hard in Afghanistan, like so hard. And like this, it's so interesting to know like the world I was in. God, I've never even told the story this way. Um, the world that I was in, in combat, in a war zone. And like, I don't have any memories of that because of like how presencing that moment of like, I felt like I was dying on the inside was one day when I was sitting in Afghanistan where it, I just had solitude. I was up all night on watch and the next morning it just hit me and everything collapsed. And I was like, I don't want to die, but I don't know how to live. Like I don't, I just abused my body. Like every addiction, every way it went from me being abused as a child to self-harming through bulimia and binge eating, which then led to self-harm, which then led to, uh, a working out addiction, which then led to a bodybuilding addiction, which then led to uh, a running addiction, which then led to triathlons and then led to CrossFit. And so I just kept repackaging the wrapping paper and it finally broke and it broke enough that I found CrossFit in Afghanistan, which is what led me to paleo. And the good news about my addiction to working out rather than drugs, thank you, Marine Corps, for doing your analysis is, um, was that I was really like a fucking machine when it came to working out and physical fitness. So I started CrossFitting, which led me to paleo. And when I started eating paleo, I got excited because I was feeling good. I was having energy. I wasn't actually wanting to engage in my eating disorder. And it was really interesting. It was like my hormones were reset. And I was just like living life. And it felt amazing. I was like, I want to learn how to cook. Like I want to keep eating this way. Because uh, secretly I was like, I don't want to be bulimic anymore. And I can do this. Like I was like kind of coaching myself, hoorahing myself. And then I started CrossFitting and I was competitive. I qualified for so Southern California regionals from Afghanistan, which actually gave me a lot of positive ammunition to help me through some dark times because I was really taking care of myself. So when I came home from Afghanistan, I said, I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be sad. Um, I don't want to be bulimic, but I don't want anybody to know. I just want to do this. I want to fight this on my own. And so I said I was going to teach myself how to cook and I'd never cooked in my life and I had to eat paleo because I found out I had celiac disease. And so I picked a recipe and I was like, I'm going to cook a recipe a day and I'm going to post it on Facebook. That's my accountability. I'll just post it on Facebook. And that's me saying to the world, I'm making a good recipe. I'm learning. I'm going to eat paleo. I'm not going to binge. I'm not going to purge. Nobody knew, but that was my accountability. This was so long ago, I had to make a fake college email address to get a Facebook account, just for the record, if you want to laugh at me, because I feel really old right now. Uh, that was like <laughs> 2009. And so um, I got the account and I just started posting recipes and I did it every single day. And once I learned a recipe, I added a new one and then I added a new one and then it turned into, oh, I'm going to add my own things. And someone's like, you should launch a blog. And it just so happened right when the Marine Corps was like, we're pretty much done with you. I've been actively making recipes and blogging and just adding value to the world for like 18 months. 
And someone's like, you should launch a, a, an ebook. I'm like, what the fuck's an ebook? And they told me what an ebook was. I made it. I sent it to them for free. And they're like, why'd you send it to me? I'm like, because you asked. They're like, no, we wanted to pay for it. I'm like, why would you pay for it? They're all on my website for free. And they're like, yeah, but not in one place. And they're like, upload it to this website called ClickBank. Charge $27. Do a blog post, email everybody. I'll never forget my first digital product made my uh, made my entire 13-year salary as a Marine in the first five days. And at that moment, I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm in whatever it is. And the whole fear of like, I was going to spend my whole life in the Marine Corps. What's my retirement was going to be entrepreneurship came my new vessel. And so I jumped immediately over fast forward. I ended up becoming a 22 week New York Times bestselling cookbook author three years after I taught myself how to cook. Launched a number one app in the world, got featured by Apple as the top health app of 2015 and built one of the biggest paleo food blogs, getting like 8 million people a month on the website uh, and then realized I hated cooking. So I gave the company, I gave the company away as a Christmas present and I deleted the social media and I went behind the scenes and I healed my heart and I healed all my trauma and I focused on my family through some pretty tumultuous times. And I started applying all the things that I'd learned to other businesses and other people and started having a massive impact. And so one day my wife was like, I love you. I can't listen to you talk about this shit anymore. Will you please go back on social media? And I was like, what? And she's like, no, no, just go give a podcast. Just go do what you want to do. I know you want to piss everybody off. I know you want to give away all their best courses for free. I know you want to break the industry because you think they steal from everybody. Like, just go do it. I can't listen to this anymore. And then that's when I came back out to the world on social and on my podcast and just started giving away everything I've been doing for like the last 15 years. And that brings us to today. You've offered, first of all, lots going on there. I'm so sorry for everything that you've been through. Thank you so much oh, for don't your be. service. No, don't be, and... don't be. Please, don't be. It is the reason I am having this conversation with you. Absolutely, yeah. But you bring up a very interesting point with this whole course world and how you hate the industry and you feel like they're stealing from everybody. Let's, I want to talk about this a little bit more mm. because I- I love you. We are going- <laughs> We are going straight for the jugular. You are really my <laughs> friend. I like you. Yes, let's talk about it. Yeah. I'd love to know, what are your perspectives? What do you hate the most about the industry? Let's start with Beautiful. that. Beautiful. I, I, oh, I love that. So first, let me, let me set some context. A minute ago, in reference, and a lot of the times when I'm speaking, I speak in generalizations and categorizations on purpose. On purpose. I make sweeping generalities on purpose. Now, when I say something to an audience or a podcast or a keynote of like, and I think most of you are fucking stealing from people in your courses, which I say, I do that for two reasons. Number one is the first person that yells at me, no, I'm not, is the first person that admits their guilt Mm -hmm. and they write a permission slip for everybody else. And then the people in the room that have no reaction whatsoever means that they are not living that way. They're not operating that way. So they're going to hear the message. And so the best messaging in the world, the best marketing in the world, the best communication in the world, no matter which way you slice it, has a little bit of polarity baked in about 10% as like a good, a good part. And so let me say this, I am going to make a sweeping generalization of a category of an industry 
I am friends with so many of the people in this industry, including the ones that I call out by name, including the ones that are doing it the right way. I love these people. They're my friends. And I tell them that I can love them and not love how they do business. And that's my choice in the world. And so that's kind of how it goes. So here's what I think the challenge is. I think the challenge with our industry is that everybody got a taste of how quickly they could commoditize the information market and in the race to stand out with decreasing attention spans and increasing stimulus required to get somebody's attention. Where we used to focus on creating courses and content that actually helped people implement something into their life or business, what it has turned into from competition is creating things that get the most attention, the most shock and awe, the most gasping, the best headline without the content or the structure to follow that actually gets somebody a result in their business. And then we turn around and tell them that it didn't work because they didn't do the work and we gaslight them and then we tell them they have to pay us again. That is the best, most politically correct summary of my (laughs) belief about the industry that I could give you. Because what I also believe in my heart is that there is nobody who goes out to make a course or make a digital product or make it a product, no matter how dickish they pretend to be, that has an ill intention. Because ill intention doesn't give you enough energy to get it to the point where you could be selling it to people. And so I don't believe that people do it for the wrong reasons. I believe they get caught up in the momentum of the paradigm of the world, of our industry, and of the status that circles around in these like unsubstantiated pieces of evidence that that's your stature of like what your funnel did or what your conversion rate is or how many people you turned or didn't turn like shut the fuck up. Like, how about how many people did you say good morning to today? Like, hey, were you nice to somebody today? Like, let's talk about some real shit. And so I think in the industry, there's complacency and there's complicitness. Okay. And I think in the industry, the complicitness comes from the entrepreneurs, the business owners who have the clarity or the understanding that what they're currently doing in their business doesn't feel in alignment with who they truly are, okay? Something they're saying, something they're doing, something they're posting, that sales page doesn't feel right, that pitch in that webinar doesn't feel right, the way I said that in that email doesn't feel right, right? That promo doesn't, there's something in there. The way I run my meetings, the way I talk to my team, right? We have these awarenesses. If you have those awarenesses and you choose to ignore them, and still go down the path that you have an awareness that isn't ideal and is out of alignment, you are complicit in the industry. You are complicit in the problem. Because the moment you have the awareness, you also have the clarity of how to do it differently and how to do it in alignment and how to take that path. So there's the complicitness. So in the industry, that's how I see that. There are also a lot of people that have come up in the industry under this umbrella that don't see it or have never seen it another way. I've been doing internet marketing or digital marketing since 2006, 2007, like pre-social media when we were 
taking months to build one landing page. Like we were doing work back then, but I have a different understanding of marketing and business in general because of the time frame that I've had to see it in. So there's a side of the market that has come up in this industry in the last three to four years when we were in the wild west of paid advertising, where the content and the quality of the content didn't matter. The, con- the quality of your wrapping paper and your ability to sell it was all that mattered. And so yeah. people started getting rewarded for that behavior. And so that created a breed in the industry that is only operating that way because that's the only way they know. And so the challenge with the complicit people is when you know the other way and you choose not to do it, you're not showing them the other way. And then you have people like me who have built it all and lost it all to learn these lessons and find this alignment and realize how you should play and what really matters. And it's not that my fucking bank account balance is going to be on my headstone. I measure my success not based on how many people come to my funeral, but based on how many people silently show up to support my family when I am gone. That is how I measure my success. And I mean financially, fiscally, protecting them, feeding them, and they might not even know. That's how I play my day every day. That's all I think about. Every moment, every interaction. And there's people like me. The challenge with people like me operating and existing how I'm describing and the people that have never seen marketing any other way, my side is so far removed from their side it doesn't feel possible or even open them up to the possibility without that middleman. And so that middleman, the complicit one, is the most important one. And then there's complacency. And complacency is on the consumer's part. And I am guilty. I have bought courses that I know are shitty courses because I wanted the one thing in them. I have bought things and not held the owner responsible for not giving me the thing that they wanted. I have bought courses and never opened them. I am complacent in supporting that industry by not holding my standards or not Mm -hmm. being more intentional with my credit card or not being more thorough in my research and understanding that if everybody marketing to you truly was able to execute what they're going to teach you as easy as they say you're going to you, going to you, do you think they would be selling you a course on how to do it? Or do you think they would just be doing it and living on a beach and doing blank, right? Like, I just feel like everybody has to understand that at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, there's only one person responsible for your success and it's you. It's nobody else. Absolutely nobody else. Nobody's strategy, nobody's templates, nobody's copy and paste. And what's so powerful about that is you are also the differentiating invaluable asset that you can't put a price tag on because your view and personality of the world is what makes whatever product or service you launch unique. But in that game, you have to choose which game you're going to play. And I have just been blessed with enough experience and time to know that every time I played the short game and thought I won, when I expanded the time frame long enough, every short game led to a loss. And every single time I played the long game, and I didn't think I was winning, when I expanded the time frame, every single one of them has a tangible and measurable win that can be delineated all the way down to the foundational pieces of every ounce of success that I have. 
And so that's how I would describe the industry with my beliefs about it. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I just, I think another thing to add to this whole course world industry scenario is that there are so many people who are taking courses. They learn what's in it. They don't actually go and apply it to their own lives and they just regurgitate yep. the information and start their own course. Yep. I call that mental that's masturbation. <laughs> That's yep. what drives me insane. Yeah, and listen, and 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 I'll go I'll go into the weeds for a minute too because I didn't. I stayed very high level on purpose, but then listen to me. When you sell a course, when you sell a product, and this is a business lesson for everybody, it's just coming through the lens of the course industry. Mm-hmm. What you must understand and what most entrepreneurs and business owners I meet get wrong, and I ask them, I'm like, "What's your biggest fear in your business?" Like and they'll, they'll go and they're like, oh, I'm not going to make enough money. I'm like, all right, cool. But how do you make money? And they're like, oh, I sell stuff. I'm like, okay, so what's your biggest fear? And, and most of them come back to me and they tell me their biggest fear is that they won't get a customer, right? And a lot of people can resonate with that. Like, I won't get a customer. I won't make a sale. I won't do anything. Yeah. If that is your biggest fear, you are guaranteed to lose the game because you're not playing the right game. My biggest fear is not that you don't buy my product. My biggest fear is that you buy my product and never use it or get the result that I promised. Because if you don't buy my product, you have no evidence or no experience to turn into an anti-marketing machine. You are just living in the ether until you make a decision of like, if you want to work with me or not. If you buy my product and you invest any amount of money, a dollar to $10, $50, $100, and you receive that product, And when it comes in the box, you put it in your pantry, you put it in your shelf and you never use it. And the next time I send you a sales email, do you think your first thought is I'm so excited to buy another one of these products? No. I'm so excited to tell my friends how good this product works. No, because they never used it. Right. And so the same thing applies to courses. Your biggest fear shouldn't be that people don't buy your course. Your biggest fear that should be that when they go in your course, They can't tangibly and measurably see any amount of progress closer towards their goal. And when you don't have that, you're guaranteed to fail because that is the foundational hole in the bottom of the bucket that must be plugged for scale to be effective because that hole is what creates results. That hole is what creates retention. That hole is what creates referrals. That hole is what gives your customers the evidence to become the greatest marketing tools in your entire ecosystem and business. But nobody runs out and says, hey, I'm so excited to tell you about this course I bought that I haven't opened that didn't help me in my business. Go buy it. Never. Hey, I'm so excited to tell you about this course I bought. I watched a video and it didn't work and I want you to go buy it. No. Everybody Mm -hmm. says, hey, I just did this thing on my Instagram and I got 5,000 more views. I learned it in this course. Go check it out. Hey, I just changed the subject line in three of my emails and I've gotten the highest open rates I've ever seen. Go check this out. Hey, I did this in my DMs and I heard it on George's course. Go check it out, right? What is the number one thing that's actually required for somebody to make you money is the evidence that they've made progress or results closer to their goal And the rest of your business and life gets easy. So you have to make sure that you're focusing on playing the right game. The wrong game is they won't buy my product. The right game is if they buy my product or my lead magnet or my offer or my course, 
that they don't have a path or customer journey designed to get them a tangible or measurable result that matters to them, not me. And that's my TED Talk. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show, George. Have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're, you're so right. You're so right. I can't, most of the times, at least personally, if I buy a course, I'm buying into something where I know like it, it's, it's in the contract that if I do not get the results they're promising me, I get my money back. And that's uh-huh. the only thing that I will personally buy into. And as a result, all the courses I've bought into have benefited me. For sure. And, and that's an interesting one, because here's what's funny. I don't do that. I don't offer a money back guarantee. I make it almost mm-hmm. impossible to pay me money. Because if you're even having a decision point with me, on if you can get a refund or not, the only thing that tells me is that we are not ready to work together yet. That's it. And I am the first one to tell you no. And I'm like, no, do not give me your money. You go spend that somewhere else until you come back and you don't even realize it's going out and you're actually excited to hear what's on the inside, not coming to me from a place of, I need what's on the inside to make this back to then make more very different energies. And so Mm -hmm. both sides work, but you are a thousand percent correct. And I also want to say too, it's like, you got to understand success comes from modeling genius, not cloning it, right? Modeling genius, not cloning it. Courses are incredible. Courses for me are condensed books, right? Like I can buy a course and I can get 12 books that I would have to read condensed down through some expert or some authority's interpretation of how they applied those results, right? It's cliff notes for me. But when I buy a course, I can't think of one time in my entire 15-year career where I was like, I'm going to buy this course and I'm going to get everything out of it and implement everything and I'm going to be this person. No, I don't. I look for the thing. What's the one thing? How can I do that process different? Where can I put that in? Holy shit, I never thought about doing a video that way. Oh, that would work well with that. Oh, we didn't have that. Let's add that. Oh, they don't have that. They should probably add that. I'll tell them later, Mm -hmm. right? And you kind of have to understand that as an entrepreneur, irregardless of the level of revenue that you are at or experience in your business, you are just a chef. And at any given moment, your entire purpose and job is to do an audit of what ingredients are in your pantry and what is the current order and which ones should you use to fulfill that order to then come back to do another audit to see what's next. And so I think also a part of the complacency for me is the consumer's complacency in thinking that a course has the answer or a book has an answer, or my model is your answer, or my templates are your answer. They're not, and you alluded to this earlier. The only answer is irregardless of what information you get or where you get it, that you integrate and apply it into your world because that's the only way to get the iterative feedback that will allow you to make it work for you. And so, I think there's a part there too where you have to have realistic expectations going into things. I sell courses occasionally and some of the best in the world. And people tell me that what people pay $2,500 for should be $25,000. And I was like, well, people do pay me that money to teach this to them in a room. And I, I truly believe that. 
But I've yet to find an entrepreneur who can take that entire course that I teach and actually execute every ounce of it. They can take the, the framework. They can take the principles, right? So what I call that is I call that the science. And your job as an entrepreneur is to copy the science and then add the art. So in a, in a monogamous relationship, we can all agree that there's some foundational laws or principles that help you have a healthy relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, open communication, honesty, right? Quality time, uh, complimenting each other, right? Like you, you can find those things, right? And when you start to understand those, oh, that's so funny. I just lost my complete train of thought. That has not happened in like six months. And I know exactly where I was going. I'll remember it in a second. <laughs> talking monogamous relationships. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I talking about right before that? Um, so this is a problem because I talk too much. But all of this is really, really valuable. So yeah, yeah. Can't but there's a you for it. There is a very valid point. I was talking about complacency in the market on the consumer side, being a chef in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's a great analogy, the, by the way. I love that. Thank you. Using the uh, ingredients that you have in the current moment. And then I said, that's where I see complacency in the industry. Um, and then I started talking about the you tenants. Yeah. What did, what did I do next? You were talking about um, how you charge 2500 but people tell you, you should pay that they should be paying 25000 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 2500 they should be paying 25000 And then, um, but still, I've yet to find an entrepreneur at this point that has been able to take my entire course, right, and apply it in, right? So mm -hmm. when it comes to monogamous relationships, thank you, by the way, that was like the best fucking assist in the world. And I'm going to send you a gold star. Um, thank oh, you. Thank and you by so the much. way, for everybody listening, uh, this is why I call my podcast The Mind of George Show, because my joke is it belongs in a straitjacket. So I only share the safest parts with you. And um, that was one of those internal moments where I was trying to process my thoughts. So, um, in a monogamous a crossover episode. Yeah, a little crossover episode, right? So in a monogamous relationship, though, when you think about yours, the science of that monogamous relationship are those principles that I discussed. We can agree that if you do those things every single day, they lay the most beautiful foundation for a relationship, yeah. right? But how you do those with your partner is different than how I do them with mine. Because mm -hmm. if I go try to touch my partner the way you touch yours, it's not going to fill her bucket. So as entrepreneurs, our job is to always find the science and realize the art or the application is up to us. Does that make yeah. sense? It, it completely makes sense. So the reason I teach. There so is no one size fits all strategy no. for every entrepreneur. And so the reason I teach so much and I live in principles and laws and foundations is because they, when you apply them at that level, they apply to everything above or below them, right? Every single thing above and below them. And so when you think about it, when you think about customer journey and how I teach customer journey, the first step in any customer journey is acknowledging the customer, right? Closing the open loop that was created before that moment happened. We can agree that irregardless in any moment, in any business, at any point, in any business, any industry, doctor, plastic surgeon, e-commerce seller, boom, that when there is a transaction that occurs, 
the first thing that happens after is we acknowledge the customer. That is only a benefit across the entire board. Can we agree? Yeah. So for me, that's why I teach principles because I teach that principle as the first step underneath the other five that follow it. And I'm, by the way, I'm opening a loop for all of you right now that's free on my podcast on customer journey. Um, that's called the Zygarnik effect, just for you to ruminate on that one. Um, but I teach that principle. And the reason I teach that principle is because how I acknowledge you is going to be different than how you acknowledge me. And so if I'm like, hey, I want you to say this script or make this video and it doesn't feel in alignment with you, it's not only not going to work, it's going to deteriorate the trust that your new customer has with you because they will sense that it's not you. And so you basically, as Maya Parks soul, soulfully reminded people that people remember how you made them feel. And so the first interaction, right? First impressions matter. You're out of alignment. And then that's what that person feels the moment they just trusted you to take a decision where they were feeling unsafe before to then go achieve something, fitness, business, entrepreneurship. And the first interaction they have makes them feel unsafe. You've lost that customer forever. And not only did you lose the customer, you lost the relationship, right? Because it was out of alignment. So the science is, hey, I need you to acknowledge them. For me, I'm always doing it on video. I'm a video guy. Can you tell? I'm wearing pink fucking glasses, pink Tims. I'm just an animated <laughs> character apparently, right? Um, but yeah. then I've had other people that I swore would be great on video, but they loved making like funny boomerangs and their audience loved it, right? And so the science is, hey, when somebody opts in for your lead magnet or buys your offer, the first thing I want you to do is to acknowledge them. So make sure you're acknowledging the step they took and what they did. That's all I give them. How they do that is what makes it so fucking effective. That's the art. Like when I send yeah, you a video. Yeah, if, go if, ahead. If you're, sorry, if you're doing what is truly you, first of all, not only do you enjoy it more, your customers feel how much more you enjoy it as a result of it. You yep. attract your people instead of yep. sticking yourself into, you know, how people go to school for a degree that they don't even want. They go and they're working this job and it's, it's soul sucking. Yep. So yep. by staying congruent with who you are and all of your marketing matches up with that and aligns with you, you enjoy everything so much more and your customers trust you that much more. So I, I completely get it. It makes sense. Well, and here's the, here, there's two parts to this and thank you for bringing that awareness. That's incredible. The part that you harped on is one of the true secrets to success as an entrepreneur is allowing yourself to be as creative and curious as possible, as much as possible. Agreed? Yeah. Right? Because what we're saying is we want to build this vision or we want to build this business that's never been built before. And yet we spend most of our time trying to find somebody else to give us a blueprint to build something that we designed that nobody's ever built before, which I find quite ironic. Um. And by the way, when you follow that path, that's the path that leads to you being one of the unfulfilled entrepreneurs that has seven figures in a business, but hates their life uh, because mm -hmm. it's so out of alignment with who you were because you built somebody else's business, um, just mm -hmm. for the record. So creativity and curiosity is where you get to sit with ideas. That's where you get marketing ideas. That's where you get messaging ideas. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to say this. Oh my God, what if I thought about that? Right. That's where you find these pockets. Right. And so not only is it easier. Uh, it's required for you to have the capacity to be creative because if you're out of alignment, 99.9% .9 of chance that your subconscious 
um, sympathetic nervous system is taking over. Because when you're out of alignment, you have elevated cortisol. When you have elevated cortisol, your adrenals shoot up and your body's in fight or flight. And so when that happens, your reticular activating system tunes into survival, right? So all you see is hard. All you see is struggle. Everything feels exhausting. And then we expect ourselves to be creative and have ideas in that bucket on how we're trying to solve the problem. And it's so funny because the thing that created the problem, us being out of alignment, is the thing that's preventing the clarity in trying to solve it because we're living in that same bucket. And so irregardless, every entrepreneur finds themselves here and it's either through choice or through pain. That's it. It's through choice when you can recognize it and it's through pain when you don't. But the moment you do, you better remember it. So when it happens again, you can choose to come back into alignment. And so that's part one on what you were sharing. And I love that part two is this is also one of the reasons I'm very bullish and I overgeneralize and categorize standard operating procedures. Do procedures belong in businesses? Fuck yes. Do they belong? Yes. Outcome-based project management is what we use. It's what I teach. Um, but what you have to understand is that your, your employees are also your direct bloodline to your customers. Most of the people that listen to this that have employees, your employees interface with your customers more than you do. And if those employees are operating against a script or an SOP that doesn't allow humanity, it is going to be transactionally received on the other side. And you're going to be missing the greatest gift you have in your company, which is the humanity of your employees. And so this applies to them as well. So I love your scripted responses. I loved your canned responses, but can you allow your customer service rep to add her personality and say, good morning, how she would like, or ask them if they had their first cup of coffee. Like you have to allow humanity to occur because no matter what, at the root of business, it is a human choosing to give money to another human in exchange for a product, a service, or a good. And the number one core requirement for a human to exchange money is safety. You have not bought a car when you felt unsafe. You have not stood in checkout at Best Buy and bought when you felt unsafe. You have not bought a course when you thought they were going to fuck you over. You have not bought a course when you didn't think it was going to work. You do not put your credit card in when you feel unsafe. Do you put it in if you feel nervous or anxious? For sure, but that's very different than unsafe. You have to understand that as a human, connection is the one thing that creates safety. And how can your customers connect with your company or your movement or the ethos of your existence is every time they're getting interfaced with, they have to read from a fucking script or send a canned response and they can't be a human. And you wonder why you're not getting creative ideas out of your team because we're suppressing their expression. And you are not only cannibalizing your sales, you're cannibalizing your employees' creativity and probably the best fucking ideas that you could ever have to reach the next level of your business. And that's my second TED talk. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this TED talk. George, yeah, no, this I'm, I'm this... practicing. I've never given this... a TED talk. So I'm just using this. As you my should, stage. you absolutely should. But I didn't like their break... rules. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I could see that. <laughs> what is it? The five, eight minute time frame that you got to stick in? I don't think no, no, it was 15. <laughs> it was so, it was something else 15. around it. I didn't like, yeah, this I didn't like. Just barely enough for your introduction. You can't do that. I know. I know. Hey, I've given killer 15 minute talks. I just prefer the longer ones. I, I gathered that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas yeah. 
listen yeah. this breaks my heart because we've we've reached the end of our time here but yeah, i know we have i know we have if it's sad do you do you have any if you okay if you had to give one piece of advice in one sentence because i'm going to limit you to one sentence to anybody who's struggling with their marketing right now what would it be it's funny you said one sentence. You have to remember, I didn't make it through high school. So uh, run-on sentences <laughs> can go really long, really long. I'll allow like four comments in there. <laughs> I will, um, I'll, I'll give you guys the piece of advice that I wish I heard uh, in 2008 when it got hard for the first time. And that is that you have to understand that irregardless of business, life, entrepreneurship, success, the most important relationship that you will ever have is with yourself. And it's the one that tends to get neglected first. The answers you seek, the clarity you seek, the confidence you seek can only come from you exploring it within yourself. And I know that sounds woo-woo as fuck. I am woo-woo because woo-woo works. It is real. It is your world. And so prioritize the relationship with yourself. Start driving in your car in silence, 30 minutes a day. See what happens. Sit still for 15 minutes. You have anxiety, don't lean into your team. Go for a walk and ask yourself a question. Start flexing the muscle of being in a relationship with yourself because it is the only place you will get the clear decisions that you're seeking. And if they're not clear, sit with them longer. That's my advice. Awesome. Thank you so much, George, for coming on. I really enjoyed this. Of course, of course. Should we tell them about my podcast? Oh, yes. You know what? We probably should do that. So let's yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So listen, I, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Cause I'm a dad. So I just, you know, repeat jokes and I'm cheesy as shit, but, uh, I, I love my podcast. I, uh, I told my wife when I came back on the internet that I wanted to be the Robin hood of marketing. So I work with the biggest companies in the world and I spend literally $20 million a month in marketing. And I turn around and teach it all for free on my podcast. And it makes my heart so happy. And so my podcast focuses on a lot of stuff I talked about today, mindset, entrepreneurship, customer journey, marketing, uh, relationships and mastering the entire holistic vehicle of entrepreneurship, which is yourself to help you not only make seven figures, but do it in alignment with ease and grace, being proud of your legacy. And I talk about all of that and I love my show. It's uh, probably going to go down in my life as my proudest business accomplishment as my podcast. So it's called the mind of George show. Um, you can find it anywhere. Podcasts are popular, or you can just go to mindofgeorge.com and it's really fucking pink. It matches my boots for the record. If you're watching this or see this video. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's my spiel. Awesome. Thank you so much. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, where's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. The best place is through my website or you have my wife's permission to slide into my DMS on the gram. Um, but I, I will, I will put this invitation out to you. And I mean this wholeheartedly. I shared a lot of things today that can be received on many different levels uh, at a high level, at a surfacey level, or even a very deep, deep soul level. And if you have any questions, if anything comes up, if you need a book recommendation, if anything from today, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will personally respond and recommend anything I can or give you a tip or send you in a certain direction. And so my Instagram is it's George Bryant. Um, so I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T because um, George Bryant was taken. So it's me. It's George Bryant. But the it's is a part of it. I think that's my Instagram. I don't even know. How bad is that? Do you know your <laughs> oh, own Instagram handle? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I guess. I, yeah, it is. It's George Bryant. I guess I just, I don't, I don't ever look at my own Instagram. Yeah. It, it's George Bryant. I had to think about that. Whew. That was, that was, <laughs> that was silly. It's good. We got it figured out. It's all good. Well, thank you for all having right. me. It was a pleasure group. If you're listening and enjoyed, please like, and subscribe. If you're a six figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Bye.
Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.